Welcome to Anderswick Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Hey, anyway, um, for those that don't know me, my name's Dave. Um, I'm the location pastor here along with my wife, Michelle, who was in kids ministry this morning. And uh, we can start that timer if you want because I'm gonna get going <laughs> right now. Um, I've, had, um, I've had the privilege to speak some messages this year, which has been really cool. And um, we've just done the one on Let's Get Honest, which has been about relationships. And this week, uh, Pastor Graham, who oversees the location pastor said, you can preach on whatever you wanna preach on. And I'm like, this is really, really cool. Um, um, so I've had this word in my heart for a little while now uh, about actually persevering in prayer through, uh, through disappointment. So this morning, that's exactly what I want to speak on, if that's all right with you. And um, I, I, I'm tackling the tough topics because a couple of weeks back, I spoke on uh, conflict management. It was like one of the least spiritual messages that you would probably hear, but I actually listened to it back, and I, and I, which I don't often do. Uh, and I thought to myself, actually, that was actually a good word, actually. So if you ever miss a Sunday, you can actually go on our, our, on our website and listen back to the messages. They're all on the website, which is pretty cool. So at any rate, so um, what I've decided this morning is I'm going to preach for a little bit shorter this morning, and then we're just going to pray for some people. Is that all good? Now, it might be a miracle like Jesus um, feeding the 5,000 that I can preach for a little shorter, but we'll see how we get on, all right? Um, so here we go. So I'm just going to start by uh, reading the Scripture. James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. That's interesting. Yeah, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And today the title of, of my message is going to be called Persevering in Prayer through disappointment. So let me pray. Lord God, I just want to thank you for this morning. I want to thank you for this message that uh, I believe, Lord God, that you've given me to, to speak this morning. And I just pray that it would hit its mark and you watch over my words, Lord God, this morning, watch over uh, everything that I'm doing, Lord God. And I just pray that this morning that you'd have your way, uh, Lord, that this morning that we can just have an incredible morning just um, uh, touching, uh, touching heaven this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, come with me if you will in your mind. Imagine a scenario where um, you're gonna go on a plane trip. All right, how many, does anybody here actually not enjoy flying? Uh, a couple of people, yeah. I'm not a great flyer, so I don't really enjoy flying. I fly a, a heck of a lot, but I really don't enjoy it. I, I, I'm always talking with, uh, with Grant, who's a pilot, about uh, some troop coaches to get me through. But anyway, but we're gonna go on holiday, right? And um, we've saved up for a good long period of time, and this is all of us together. We're all just hypothetically in, in your mind. And we're gonna go to Hawaii, all right? It's gonna be a really good trip. We've planned for going to Hawaii. We've packed the sunscreen. We've, uh, we've got the shorts on, the bathing suits. For those of us with dad bods, we're ready for that. Um, some of us have been on diets for about six months just to make sure we're all good. Uh, we get to that day and we get on the plane and you know, you, you, you watch your first movie and then the, the disappointing meal comes around, which you know, you know should be better. Uh, anyway, you get up, you stretch your legs, go to the bathroom, you come back, and you go back to your seat, you watch another movie, and as you do that, your eyes start getting tired. You shut your eyes, you fall asleep, um, somewhat regretting that, that airplane meal that you just had, 
and uh, you wake up, and then as you land and you get off the plane, you realize all of a sudden, hey, we didn't land in Hawaii, we've actually landed in Alaska, and we've actually gone to the northern part of it, and what we packed for is no longer relevant. All that sunscreen lotion that we had is no good. The togs that we packed are no good. And everything that we've got there, we are mortally disappointed. We are absolutely shocked by this. And it sounds like a far out example, right? But actually what that is, is actually many of us have actually been through this actually in our life where we think we're going somewhere and we don't end up at that location. Something happens in our life where disappointment takes place. And um, it's in those moments that you realize that everything that we planned for actually didn't matter. Maybe you've planned for the, the right budget, maybe you've planned for the right season, and something has happened. Whereabouts has left us in the season of disappointment. And we're now thinking, how do we deal with the situation that's actually facing us? Right? We, I think I'm not even asked for a show of hands, I just know that we've all been there. Um, so, the question that I want to ask this morning, and it is a tough question is what do we do when things don't go the way we planned? And disappointment sets in. I've actually got the question there which we'll bring up, which we'll get rid of the welcome home in a second. There we go. What do we do when things don't go the way we planned? And I think many of us in this moment, actually we do this thing where about we start asking this question of, like, why did this happen? How could the way this have gone so wrong? Uh, you know, we, we, were, we are really, really confused. And it can be very disorientating. We're trying to figure out exactly what it's gonna, gonna do. Now, in the Bible, it's full of exhortations and it's full of talk about actually taking joy in our tribulations, joy in these moments that actually leave us in total disappointment. So it probably needs to be stated that it might seem a little bit edgy uh, or even disrespectful to talk about joy when it comes to a moment of disappointment. So I just need to state that because these things that have happened are unfair. They should not have happened, and, but they did happen. So we are in a moment of now just figuring out how do we do that. So I don't want um, to take light at the moment that disappointment happens. But the Bible talks really clearly about this. This says very clearly that we are to consider it joy. So I've always asked the question, why should we consider it joy when bad things happen? And this morning, I don't only wanna just acknowledge that bad things happen, but I also wanna speak God's goodness and God's life over you this morning, which is really, really important. Um, for me personally, I think we've had multiple moments in my life where about so I've faced immense disappointment um, that I've had to deal with. Number one, as a teenager, uh, I got horrendously bullied. It was um, pretty rough at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I thought I was a pretty funny guy. It turns out not everybody agreed with that. And for whatever reason, I had one guy, and it turns out he was actually a Christian guy, that actually bullied the heck out of me. Um, but we got, we got on with it. Uh, when we got pregnant with our first child, Trinity, who's sitting in the front row right now, week 36, we found out that she had a heart condition. We had to relocate to Auckland immediately, and the possibility of her dying was actually a, a possibility that she might not actually survive the birth. Uh, that's a whole story within itself. Um, when I was, man, I think late 20s, I woke up one morning with, um, with back pain, and I thought to myself, oh, I've slept really funny in my bed, and it turned out that I'd actually had an acute renal failure and ended up spending the next month in hospital. Um, about eight years of our marriage, um, it, it nearly imploded and ended. We were, I'd been on the road and spent a lot of time, um, 
in hotels. There was no sin issue or anything like that, but we just simply had started to grow apart, and I had to actually simply find, man, this thing wasn't going the way that I planned it to go, so immense disappointment and a lot of pain trying to work through that. Um, in the GFC, which just some of you will remember in 2018, interesting, Donna this morning talking about the interest rates back then, I think I got up to about 11% on my interest rate, and I know people in the 80s that got up to the 20s. Anybody remember that? Yeah, that's right, and the people that held their houses then have done very well. Uh, anyway, and the GFC got made redundant on Christmas Eve of 2008. That's, that's pretty rough, eh? So some moments there that I actually... Um, absolute chaos moments left, left, left us gasping for air and wondering what was going on. Have you had a moment like this? Yep, I'm getting lots and lots of nods. Lots and lots of nods. Uh, when you're praying for something that God appears to be silent or things have not gone as planned. So what we did in these moments is we simply turned to prayer and we simply turned to God and we said, right, God, we don't understand what's going on, but we are gonna trust you anyway and we are gonna pray and we're gonna get around good people and we're gonna declare your goodness this morning. Uh, in G in uh, Matthew chapter five, uh, Jesus actually says, said this, because people always ask this question, you know, why did it happen? And I think at the end of the day, if you ask that question too many times, you'll end up imploding on yourself. You just will simply just keep on going around and around and around. But I think Jesus phrased it really, really well when he answered why these things happen. And he said this, he said that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. So let me par paraphrase what Jesus said. So basically, he's saying that good things happen to bad people. And he's saying that bad things happen to good people. It's just that we are in a fallen world. This is what happens as a result of Genesis when actually Adam and Eve, they took that fruit that they weren't supposed to. The world uh, started to take place and things started to happen that were irreversible. And then since then, it's been a journey of Jesus that's actually restoring every part of that. So I think that we have to have an expectation that actually we were never promised necessarily uh, an amazing life. We were never promised that everything would be good, that, that we were never promised that. But one thing that God did say was this, is that His goodness and His mercy would follow us all the days of our life. And that just means that we just need to uh, just give it over to God. I'm gonna talk very shortly about things we can do in these moments. Let me put it this way. Uh, if I was to offer you $10 million right now, I said, would you like $10 million? Or, on the other hand, you could choose not getting the $10 million, but doing things the way that God had had you intended to do them, knowing that there would be some heartbreak, there would be some disappointment, and things like that. Well, I think a lot of people would say, you know, DK, you know, give me the $10 million, please. That'll solve absolutely all of my problems. But here's the thing, is that they've actually done some studies, and the guys that actually win the lottery, right, they get these tens of millions of dollars and stuff, actually, a lot of them actually end up... Uh, not only more unhappy than they were without the money, they actually end up bankrupt. And it's because they don't have the, the, the wisdom, they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the life's work behind them to figure out how to handle something which is so big. So what if I told you that if instead of taking the $10 million, you could come over here and you could do things God's way, and then that way there would actually leave you far more fulfilled, far more richer than the $10 million, but you had to go through some hardships. I gotta tell you, I'm gonna take this way every time. Even in those hard times that I've just talked about, that is what we're gonna do. We're gonna leave the cash behind. So here's a question. What if we change our language from why did this happen into what happened? 
So number one, you wanna make sure that you actually acknowledge what actually happened. And then you're gonna ask yourself this, what do we actually do in these moments of disappointment? So I'm just gonna take you through a couple of quick points here. And then we're literally just gonna pray for some people this morning. So number one, I'd say this, the first thing you should do is pray. We're gonna turn to God first and foremost. We're gonna pray. Number one, tell God you're hurting. That's perfectly fine. God can handle your mess. God can handle whatever you're going through. He can handle anything you wanna tell Him. So you just tell Him that, man, this this sucks, God. This is not good. Um, The question often is asked me, how long do I pray in a moment like that? Because sometimes people say, you know, pray until you get the breakthrough and then they leave themselves feeling exhausted. Well, Charles Spurgeon answered it this way. He said, some people pray by the yard, but true prayer is measured by weight and not length. So often in moments like this, we don't know what to pray. We just simply just gotta give it to him. We just simply just gotta say, God, this really sucks. I'm finding this really difficult and I need your way to get through this. And uh, we're just gonna give it over to him and then just simply just kind of relax. And then when you're feeling that pain again, just pray again and hand it over to him yet another time. That would be absolutely incredible. I mean, the question has to be really asked, you know, when we say God save us from our situation, what does it actually mean to be saved? Because I can promise you this, I have prayed and I've asked God for, for things over my life, which I'm so pleased that God never answered and God actually never gave me. Because I thought I knew the way, that, the way out of there and I thought that I knew the best way to do it. But actually there's a fundamental about God and it's this, that God's ways are always higher than our ways. God's ways are always above our ways. And when we don't understand why why the hurt and why the disappointment, we're just gonna ask ourselves, well, God, what is next? Isaiah 55 verse eight and nine is gonna come up on the screen. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts the higher than your thoughts. I mean, I, I had um, a cousin one time that said, you know, man, I, I was praying to God and <clears throat> I was praying for a relationship. I was praying for a, um, for a, can we just open that up? I was just praying for a, a, a boyfriend and they said this, this person said to me, and God never gave me the boyfriend, so I decided to go and take it into my own hands and go and get myself a boyfriend. And she did that, but it turned out that number one, it was the wrong timing. And number two, it was the wrong person. And she ended up in a whole lot of world of hurt where God would have said to her, just wait, just wait. What you're praying for necessarily is not necessarily the will of God. And that's why Jesus, when he actually teaches us the Lord's Prayer, he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you've got to pray the will of God into these situations. And sometimes we think that we're praying and we know what we want and we're asking God for something and God is saying, no, not, not now. In fact, uh, uh, James put it this way in 2 Corinthians 12, verse eight to nine. Actually, it wasn't James, it was uh, Paul. He says, even though I have received, can we bring the scripture up, guys? Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, he's given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. And he says this, he says, three times I begged the Lord to take this away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness and he's glad to to boast about his affirmities so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
And that's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, uh, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's powerful, right? Sometimes we just have to trust that God is actually in the process. When God is silent and you're wondering what's going on, there's a process taking place. When we're sitting there and we're wondering what's actually happening, there's a process taking place. God's actually doing something in behind the scenes, right? So it's in those moments you've just got to trust. I mean, it's tough when it's something which is totally outside your control. Even somebody that's passed away, maybe you've had a bad diagnosis from the doctor, maybe something's happened financially, you've lost a job, or or maybe that interest rate's gone from 2.5% up to 6.9 or whatever it is, but there's something happening in the process. Once again, coming back to the fact that actually, Bad things happen to good people. It rains on the just and the unjust alike, right? We can't control all of our circumstances. So we're gonna take it to God. Uh, Number two, I'd say this. After you've prayed, take a pause and take some time to wait on God. Acknowledge the pain and continually give it over to God Uh, because, you know, what wounds uh, of this nature are like bruises that actually sometimes don't really heal. And... Some, I mean, they heal, but like, you know, wounds of this nature, they don't actually have a time frame. I don't know if you know that. So if, you, uh, if something's happened even in your childhood and somebody brings that memory back up, that pain can hurt like that again, right? You go straight back to that thing. But there needs to be a rewiring of the brain that happens that actually allows us to actually push past that and understand that actually we are actually healed. And because the bruise still hurts doesn't mean that the pain's still real. But there comes a time where about so we actually have got to pause But after you pause, I'd say this, don't pause for too long. This is now not the time to rehearse the curse, all right? It's not time to to play over and over in your mind a mantra about what's going on. Oh, they hate me. Oh, I got bullied as a kid. I got bullied as a kid. I got bullied as a kid. You know, like that sort of mantra is not actually going to hurt me. So I can pause on it. And I can actually sit there and actually acknowledge that it's actually happened. But if I pause for too long, you'll end up sitting on the bench and you'll end up becoming ineffective and you'll end up becoming a person that actually is not able to push forward for all that God's got for you. So there comes a time where you have to say, all right, I've paused for long enough now. It's now time for me to do something. And I've got a really good friend of mine up in Auckland. His name's Steve. And um, he was uh, battling through depression. And um, he rang me one day and he said, I feel so much better. I said, what happened? Did you get healed? He tried medicinal marijuana and all sorts of stuff. And I said, what happened? I've been praying for you. He said, I made a plan. I got off my behind and I made a plan. Here's what I'm gonna do. And he told me about his plan. He's gonna go to the gym and he's gonna go see a counselor and he's gonna go and apologize to his wife for the things that he said. And he had made a plan because do you know what happens? Once we pause and we make a new plan, we actually feel like we've actioned something for the next step. And that's the first step to moving on is often just make a plan. Just what's the first thing you can do to actually turn the situation around? And it might be, I'm gonna go apply for a new job. Or it might be, I'm gonna find a way to find some more money just to, to get the, sh- the, uh, the gap fixed in my mortgage. Or it might be, um, if, if you've lost a child, we're gonna try again. Or we're gonna adopt. Or if you've lost somebody that you love, it's gonna be, okay, God, I'm just gonna give that over to you and I understand that that's happened. But now I'm gonna make a next step into actually trusting you again that I can actually love the people that are in my world right here, right now, and that we can actually do something with that. Make a plan. Be like Steve. (laughs) Make a plan. Uh, Number three, I'd do this. I would turn to those who love us for support. 
There are people that are in your world that we want to share. Now, I know somebody recently who got a cancer um, a diagnosis. And then day one, what they did is they turned to their friends and they said, hey, I've got this cancer. They, they didn't want to keep it to themselves. Now, I understand privacy. I understand the need for not sharing everything on, on Facebook or, or and all that sort of stuff. But there are ones that you should turn to in these moments. And you should turn to them. You should ask them, ask them for this. Now, the Bible gives us a very, very good uh, example of this in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 13. And what's going on here is that uh, Moses is, there's a battle that's actually happening while they're in the wilderness. And God says to Moses, uh, go up on the hill and put your staff out. And as long as your staff is out, I'm gonna bring success. But let's read, let's read the text now. While the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. And Moses commanded Joshua, uh, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill and I will hold the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua said that, uh, did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron and Hur, they climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hands, the Amalekites gained the advantage. So Moses' arms soon became tired, so he could no longer hold them up. Imagine that. If you get a, a tin of baked beans and you just do this for a minute, <laughs> just, just twist it around in a circle, you're going to get tired. It's not actually about what actually, uh, what's in your hand. It's just going to get tiring. So Moses' arms soon became tired and he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. And then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so that his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. There comes a time when all of us, no matter who you are, are gonna find it a little bit tiring, a little bit tough to carry on the season that God's got you in. And it's gonna be finding a little bit tough to keep on holding up those hands to try and get the victory. And it's in those moments that you turn to your friends and you turn to your pastors and you turn to your to your colleagues and you turn to people and you say, hey, I need some support in this season and I need you to help me lift up my hands. And then they can get alongside you and take a rest and allow people to carry you for a little while. Take that pause out and actually allow them, allow them to do that. I know people that are just so, so private, they just don't wanna share anything. And as a result of that, they end up carrying the burden by themselves. But God never gave you a burden to share by yourself. That's why he put us in families. That's why he gave us friends. He put us in churches so we can actually help each other in this matter. Number four, and this one's really, really important. Speak the goodness of God into the situation. Speak the goodness of God into the situation. This is really important. Don't wallow in the self-hurt. As I said before, we don't rehearse the curse. Do you know what I mean by that? We just simply just repeat on, put these things on repeat of what we're actually, um, what we're really, really disappointed about. But rather we speak the goodness of God and we talk about the faithfulness of God in every season. Uh, the Bible says that as a man or a woman believes in their heart, so is he or she. And this is the way that it works as it follows in our self-talk. Number one, our thoughts that we think, if we play them on repeat for long enough, they will become the words that we speak. So it starts with this thought, like, what am I thinking? And if you start thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, you'll start to speak it out loud. And if you ever hear somebody say something like, oh, I'm just useless, guess what? That is actually started as a thought in the head. And then the words that we speak over and over and over in our life form our belief structures. 
So I know of somebody who, they are sick all the time, and they, every time you speak to them, they say, man, I'm sick, I'm always sick, I'm always sick. Now they've got a belief structure that they're actually sick. They've actually been to see the doctor, and the doctor's like, you know, you're not actually sick, you're, you're actually fine, you're just kind of telling yourself you're sick, and the, the mind's actually doing some stuff to make you actually sick. Starts to believe our belief structures. Then our belief structures of what we believe actually start to become and form our actions. So if you believe that you're not good enough and that the only way out is to, uh, is to turn to the bottle every single night and just drink nonstop, guess what? Your actions are gonna reflect in that. If your belief structure that you are getting bullied is not okay and you feel like you need to fight back, you're gonna end up with an action of actually punching somebody out and probably ending up in jail. These belief structures that you've got actually are very, very important. And here's the most important thing to know from this is that our re- repeated actions actually form our lifestyle. So they actually become the life that we choose for ourselves. So what do we do? We've got to come back and we've got to actually replace the words that we've been speaking. And I wonder if there's some people here this morning that have been speaking the wrong words over their life. People that are listening to the, the podcast right now that are speaking the wrong words over their life. They've been telling them themselves that they're not good enough. They've been telling themselves that their situation was not fair and they've, 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 they've uh, found a place to hang their hat, so to speak. That wasn't fair and therefore I won't do anything. And I don't, want to, I don't want to minimise anything that's happened in childhood or anything like that for you, but you know, it would be a pity to let a five-minute moment in your life dictate what happens for the rest of your life. You have to acknowledge it. Rather than saying why, what are we going to do? We're going to say what? What can I do next to actually push on through this? What can we do? Let's not find a place to hang our hat and say this shouldn't have happened and shouldn't have happened, but we have to find a way to actually speak the goodness of God. Um, so I'll get the band to come up and actually join me now. Um, as we're just sort of getting at the stage of wrapping up. How do you get the things that are good in your life? Number one, you make sure that you actually turn to the words of people that love you. And you put that on repeat. You are good enough. You're amazing. You're going to be successful. Number two, you listen to the Word of God, the Bible. You get what the Bible says about you, and you put that on repeat. In fact, that's actually one of the things that the Scripture says, is that no weapon formed against you will prosper. That's because you have to take those things and put them on repeat. And like this song that we sang this morning, the goodness of God, when we talk about uh, the goodness of God, and we just say, Lord, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And my fifth point as we wrap up is when we don't understand and we pray for the best, we've just got to simply trust in God. And that means sometimes shutting the brain off. It means just stopping thinking about that thing that's happened. And we're just gonna make a decision. God, I'm gonna trust in you. I mean, you know, honestly, the easy $10 million fix is not gonna get you out of it. There's got to be a process in what's going on. His love is running deeply after us. And, uh, you know, the scripture in Daniel about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, you may be well familiar with the scripture. These guys got kidnapped at, at birth. And, um, and they got taken to this foreign land and they got raised by these guys. And they were in a situation that they shouldn't have been in. And they were basically there. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, he makes a statue and he says, anybody who doesn't bow down to the statue is gonna be burned in the fire. Well, if you know the scripture correctly, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego turned to the king and said, say to them, says to the king, hey, I'm not gonna bow down to that because I'm gonna continue to worship. And by the way, when you throw me in the fire, our God will save us. But they didn't finish there. They said, but if he does not, we'll still trust in our God. So what if this was our mantra? We trust in our God 
that He would deliver us. But even if He does not, even if stuff happens, even if that rain lands on you, even though it shouldn't have, will we trust Him anyway? Will we trust Him anyway? This is the question I wanna ask. It's so, so important. Because you know, when I struggled in my teenage years, And when Trinity was diagnosed with a heart condition, when my health saw me in hospital, when my marriage was on death's door, when I was made redundant Christmas Eve, I declared that God would save us. But even if these things eventuated and happened, we would praise Him anyway. Because God spoke this to me. He said, and some of you need to hear this this morning. And he simply spoke this to me. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. This too shall pass. At every moment in my life when I've wondered, how am I going to get through? What are the next phases? What are the next steps? God said, this too shall pass. And even when I didn't know what was going to happen, it passed. And I stand in front of you today few kgs heavier. We're here with this a little bit dishevelled right now, trusting in God for the next season in life. It's so, so important. And then uh, James said this, he says, consider this pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you trace files of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking in anything. And that is simply the end of my message. And what I want to do now is we're just going to sing this song again. And then I want to pray for some people. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info or visit our website.